grab a seat, and as you do, get a Bible on your lap. First John chapter 4. If you need a Bible, there's one under a seat somewhere close by. Uh, we hope that you will uh, get a copy of God's Word in front of you. And uh, while you uh, find the book of First John, uh, one thing I want to uh, make you aware of and a great opportunity for our church, next Sunday is uh, Orphan Sunday. So it's a Sunday recognized kind of around our country of uh, just helping get our eyes on uh, uh, the need in the world to care for vulnerable children and for orphans. And I um, uh, just want to let you know that when you leave the service today and also next Sunday, you can, uh, right by the Next Steps area, stop by a table. Uh, this will just let you know of opportunities of how you can get engaged in uh, uh, serving and loving orphans across the globe. Uh, not only across the globe, but uh, what it looks like for opportunities right here, even in our own uh, community as far as foster parenting goes and, and, uh, and, and that, all of that. And so um, stop by that table. Don't assume that that's for someone else. Ask the Lord right now what God might have uh, for you and your family in, in regards to this. Um, I'd also encourage you to stop by that table. You might be going, hey, we prayed about it. We don't sense God is leading us to foster right now. Um, we have many families within our church fostering or adopting or in the process of adopting. That table is a place you can go to to learn how you can come around them and form what, like a care community to help them through this season of fostering or adopting. And so um, if that is for you, stop there before you leave or see uh, stop, stop there next uh, Sunday on Orphan Sunday. So I wanted you to be aware of that. Um, as we turn to the scriptures today, Something that is true of us from the time we are very, very young is we begin to learn from an early age how to discern what is true from what is false, what's real from what's fake, what's right from what's wrong. And as we grow up, um, we kind of learn how to exercise that discernment muscle more and more. We, we learn with a, a little bit better accuracy, hopefully, as we grow, what's real and what's fake, what's right and what's wrong what's, um, in, in this regard. Um, um, this is why when you get an email as an adult from a foreign prince somewhere around the globe who wants to share his inheritance with you, all you have to do is send your bank account information right away. You don't jump up and down and say, look, look, look at God's grace. No, you laugh and you hit delete, right? You have learned through the years that does not conform to reality as I understand it. Or in our day and age when photos go viral, you see some pictures on the internet and you go, I don't know, that doesn't look quite right. Here's a couple of famous viral pictures. The biker biking for his life from the bear. The real photo is just still a cool one, right? A bear running down a road. Or the uh, pilot who took the selfie mid-flight, which is actually just him sitting on the tarmac with a selfie. Again, cool selfie. Or this amazing castle that sits atop a rock structure that all of us in here would love to Airbnb for a weekend, right? It's really just a cool rock structure in Thailand and a cool castle in Germany photoshopped together. And so we, we learn how to discern and kind of what passes the sniff test, so to speak. What, what is true and what's not true. As Jesus followers, we also need to always be developing that spiritual discernment muscle. Um, meaning we hear something... And we go, would, would that be accurate as I understand what the Bible has to say about that? 
Um, we live in the information age. With, you know, with a device in our pocket, we can be on social media with all kinds of people posting all kinds of, at times, spiritual messages to us. Uh, we read podcast, or we don't read podcasts, we read blogs, we listen to podcasts, we watch YouTube videos. You can, you can access the teaching of how many spiritual teachers by just typing youtube.com into a search bar. We go to Barnes & Noble and we uh, go to the Christian living section or spiritual living section and, and you can grab books, but we have to be people always growing and our discernment for what is spiritual truth and what's spiritual error. And in our information age, if, if we're not always developing a greater understanding of what is true from what is error, people can be led astray by a lot of false teaching. Now, good news for us, as we look at six verses today that God gives us through John's writing I want to just highlight the phrase that our passage today is going to end with. It says this, By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John in this passage is going to give us just an amazing test to apply to the places we're turning as our sources for spiritual information. And this is in, in, in a day and an age where, where sometimes we can say, well, I take a little bit of, you know, good things over here and a little bit of good things over here. No, no, no. Like, we're going we're gonna to dive in today to an understanding of where should we be turning for spiritual truth? And how do we discern what is spiritual truth? How do we discern what is spiritual error? How do we discern the sources we can trust and the sources that we can't? I'm going to look at that today. Pray with me and let's ask for God's help. Lord, would you help us? We live in an information age. Lord, all kinds of spiritual messages are communicated to us on a variety of different platforms and a variety of different ways. And so God, would you help us to hear these words today and begin to understand in a greater way the things we're looking for and reliable sources to disciple us. And the things and the places and the people at times that would be false teachers that we need to use discernment and to not be led into spiritual error. And so God, um, speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First uh, John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every, what's it say? Do not believe every spirit. I just want to stop here and I want to talk through just that part right there. What in the world does John mean? Why doesn't he say, beloved, do not believe every teacher? Beloved, do not believe every person? Why does he start and say, beloved, do not believe every spirit? Well, as this passage goes on, John's going to tell us in some greater detail kind of who he's getting at here. Uh, he's going to call them false prophets. Uh, these are the people that are, have been, they're the defectors from the church. They're the people that have gone away into this Gnostic heresy, this, this wrong understanding of who Jesus is. 
And John is going to call them false prophets and the teachers of this heresy false prophets. But it's interesting that he doesn't start by just saying, hey, do not believe those false prophets who have wandered away from the church into spiritual error. He says, uh, do not believe every spirit. And I think it's really important for us to remember because we live kind of in the here and now, the 24-hour day, the physical realm. It's, it, it can be easy for us to lose sight. There is this spiritual chess game and bigger than a chess game, war that's going on. And every spiritual thing uttered in this world has a spirit behind it. It is either the capital S spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, or it is a lowercase s spirit that comes from the enemy intended to deceive and to lead astray. And John says, do not believe every spirit. Ephesians 6 is always a powerful reminder to us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The spiritual sounding things that are taught in our world that are contrary to the truth of God's word have a spirit behind and it's the spirit of the enemy and it's meant to deceive and to pull people away from truth. And so uh, we got to start here just from this premise today and it's something you heard from the time you were a little kid. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't quickly believe every spiritual thing you hear. Now, you know this, you kind of read that and you're like, of course, like I don't just take in and believe every spiritual thing that I hear, like that makes total sense. But I, I just want to build that foundation, I want us to keep moving forward here and see what are we to do. So beloved, do not believe every spirit, but here's what we are to do, but test the spirits. The word to test the spirits, we're to Listen and discern and test that what is being taught, that what is being said is something that is coming from the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And it's like, okay, how do we test the spirits? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Now he gets a little more specific for us. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. A prophet, someone who speaks on behalf of God, someone who says what God said. A false prophet then is someone who is saying something God said that God never said. You with me? For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every like, like we should go, well, okay, here it is, boom. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay, so what's the test? We're to test the spirits. What's the test? Do they, do these people confess Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Now, again, you're like, okay, that seems pretty straightforward, pretty easy. We read something like that, and it, and it helps us discern maybe uh, um, 
the teaching of different religions, and we go, yeah, like that is not conform with what God says. Like that is not truth. That is not real. But remember something here. John is dealing with heresy that is very Jesus-y sounding. These people are using the same buzzwords. These people knew, they know the people who've left the church. How do we discern when spiritual air has all the Jesus buzzwords, whether it is actually of the Lord and of truth? What do I mean by this? Um, I led, um, I had an opportunity to see God save a guy um, in the jail. I visited the jail. I wasn't in jail. I visited the jail. And the Lord, um, just in an awesome way, the gospel became alive to this guy, and he trusted Christ. And so he got out of uh, jail shortly thereafter and um, just fired up, like ready to talk about Jesus to anyone and everyone, and just is so fun to watch. And I went over there one afternoon, um, and I visited him, and he said, hey, I got, I got a knock on my door this morning, and I open it up, and there's two people standing there, and they're like, we want to talk to you about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, come on. And so all of a sudden, like, he's like, but then we were sitting in the living room and they're like telling me like, no, 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 here's what you really need to know about Jesus. And like, you understand a little bit, but like, you need to know more about Jesus. And here are the things you really need to know about Jesus. And he's like, now I'm all confused about Jesus. Who is Jesus? This is where we have to use some discernment. When we see the test here, do they confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh The question isn't just like a nod of the cap, like, yeah, I believe Jesus lived. The question that John is getting after here is, are they confessing Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ? Not a Jesus Christ of their making, not a Jesus Christ of their cults making or their religions making. Are they confessing the true Christ and that he has come in the flesh? Um. What are we confessing when we're confessing the true Christ? We're confessing that Jesus is eternally existing. Not created, creator. Not the first one God made has always existed. He's eternally existent. We're confessing he's the second person of the Trinity. We're confessing that he was born of a virgin. We're confessing that he was fully God and fully man. We're confessing that he lived a sinless life. We're confessing that uh, he died an atoning death on the cross. We're confessing that he was resurrected three days later. We're confessing that he's ascended to heaven. We're confessing that he's ruling and reigning now, and we're confessing that he's coming back again. That is what we're confessing when we're confessing Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And so, and so, this is where the rubber meets the road. When you go to Barnes & Noble and you see Jesus in the title of a book, don't just pull it off the shelf and assume that it's an accurate source of spiritual truth. Because if someone will not confess that Jesus is eternally existing, don't turn to it for your source of spiritual wisdom. And if someone will not, if an author, a blogger, a podcaster, a teacher will not confess that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, do not turn to it for your source of spiritual truth. And if someone will not confess that he was born of a virgin, and if someone will not confess that he's fully God and fully man, you want to keep going? If someone will not confess that he lived a sinless life, if someone will not confess that his death on the cross atoned for sin, 
If someone will not confess that he resurrected three days later, if someone will not confess that he's ascended to heaven, if someone will not confess that he is king of kings and he's ruling and reigning now, and if someone will not confess that he's coming back again, don't turn to them for discipleship. Even though their blog or their podcast or their YouTube video or their book has really spiritually sounding things in it that you kind of like. And I just had it this week. I was talking to someone, and not in our church, just someone I'd met. And they're like, well, you know, I, I listen to this person, and I, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to say, like, we're the church that's got it figured out and no one else does. Listen, if you're new here, we're really not trying to say that. Frankly, it doesn't matter who I say Jesus is. And frankly, I love you, but it doesn't matter who you think he is. You know what it matters? It matters who God's word reveals Jesus to be. That's where we're trying to get at. And so I was talking to this person, like, you know, I, I just think, you know, I take, you know, I listen to this guy, and I know he's a false teacher, and I, but I, li- I listen to this, and he's got some good stuff, and I take some good stuff over here, and, and you know, I listen to this over here, and, you know, I know it's kind of awful, but I, I take some good stuff over here, and, you know, I just think we can take a little bit of good from all of these things. The problem with that is if you're taking a little bit of good from all these false teaching things, I'm not smart enough and wise enough, and my heart is deceptive in itself to know when that little bit of good turns into error. You with me? Are you? All right, all right. We need to see 1 John 4, 1 through 6 has so much practical application for a group of Christians who live in the information age where all we have to do is scroll a social media timeline and get bombarded with 15 different spiritual messages. How do we know what is true and how do we know what is error? And this is... This, this helps us in that. Do the places you're turning to for your spiritual food confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh and all of the fullness of the truth of what that means. Man, I would just encourage, like, Put your sources of truth, put the sources that you say are true where you get your spiritual food to the test to see what they say about Jesus. I'd encourage you, show up to church on Sunday and don't just believe it because some guy standing behind a table that looks mildly official and is telling you it. What does God's word say? Who does God say Jesus is? And it's our aim to say what this thing says every week, but look for yourself and see what it says and see that it conforms to truth from God. The Bereans, these people in Berea that Paul is preaching to on his missionary journey, um, he's preaching to them and he's teaching and then they go back and they're like, is this true? Does this line up with what we know is to be true of the Hebrew scriptures? And they come back and they're like, we studied it for ourselves. You're right. Jesus is the Messiah. And they were praised for the fact that they went back and studied it for themselves. What does the truth say? And do the places we're turning to for our spiritual food, our sources of discipleship, are they, conf- are they affirming Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and all the fullness of the truth that that means? Now, here's the test that he gives. And he, he goes on to say in every spirit, in verse 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. 
And then this is the spirit of the Antichrist. And he brought that up earlier in the letter, these against Christ ones. And he says, any Every spirit that won't confess Jesus is not from God. In fact, it's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. And so um, we know, and we've said throughout this, this, this series, that as John writes to these Christians, they are unsettled. You had a group of people who are in the church and now they've left and now they're teaching some wonky stuff about Jesus and these people are going, are they right? Are we right? What are we, what are we supposed to believe? This is unsettling. When you have false teaching, it is unsettling and it can ripple effect through a Jesus community very, very quickly. And, 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 and John knows this. And he's writing to reassure hearts. And, he, and the Holy Spirit is guiding him to do that beautifully. And he comes now in verse 4 to an amazing, reassuring piece of truth for us. We're going, oh, no, no, there, there are false teachers in the world. There are false prophets. There are people who are saying God said something that he never said. What if I'm led astray by them? What do we do? Oh, no. Verse 4. Little children. You are from God and have overcome them. Who's the them? Who's the them? False prophets. You have overcome them. You've overcome the false prophets. Little children, Jesus followers, you have overcome the false prophets. How do I know? I don't know. John, how do you know? How do you know? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now follow it out here. Follow it out. Keep writing. They are from the world. The false prophets are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. John's like, man, listen, guys, I know. Crazy unsettling seasons. I know how hard this has been. I know how painful it's been. I know how confusing it's been at times. You have these people who have gone out. They're teaching you stuff. You're like, I don't know what's up from down. And should we believe them? Should we not? Should we follow that? Should we resist that? What do we do? And John throughout the letter has been reassuring them. No, no, no. You're in the right. You're in the right. Stay the course. Stand firm. You're in the right. You know Jesus. And he says, you now he gets to an awesome reassuring part. You won't be overcome by them. How do I know? How do I know all the spiritual clamor and false teaching? How do I know I won't just one day like succumb to that? Because if you know Christ, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you guides your heart to discern what is spiritual truth that conforms to the Word of God and what is spiritual error. 
And he goes on to say here then, they're of the world. They say things that are of the world and the world listens to them. But we're from God. And all that are from God, they, we communicate the same language. We understand each other. Let me, let me say it like this. Growing up, I always wanted a pair of those long-range walkie-talkies. You know what I'm talking about? Like one to two miles, I thought that would be so cool. And I'm like, Mom, come on, like, hook a kid up, you know? And I finally won some at like a carnival or somewhere. I won some, and I'm like, those, that's what I'm getting. And I played with them for like a week and then put them away and never played with them again. Um, but I remember getting them, getting the batteries all in them. I turned, I turned on the tops of them. A little green light came on. They're on, both of them on. Um, I'm ready to use these things. I hit the I hit the button on one, expecting your sound come out the other, and nothing happens. So I'm looking it over. My little mind is going a mile a minute, trying to figure out, like, this isn't how walkie-talkies are supposed to work. You said long range. I'm right across my bedroom. <laughs> and finally, like, I looked at the little screen that's on them, and there were two different numbers. Like, that's got to be something. And as soon as I dialed in both walkie-talkies to the right channel, I could now communicate clearly through them. I say all that to say, one of the ways we begin to discern those who are from God and those who are in the world is not only listening for whether they confess Christ, but it's, it's what we do when we're talking. Will they listen to us? Will they affirm our confession? Are we speaking on the same channel? Or are we on totally different channels? And this happens to me all the time as a pastor. I'm on a plane, I'm in a coffee shop, I'm somewhere. You inevitably, as you're meeting new people, one of the first questions, at least in my repertoire of questions, is what do you do? And so they tell me what they do, and then they reciprocate. What do you do? I'm a pastor. And if I'm sitting at a coffee shop or on a plane or whatever, uh, people who are a little more extroverted and outgoing, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. All right, can I ask you some things? And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> I never know exactly where we're going, but I know we're going somewhere pr fairly controversial quick. <laughs> and so what I do in light of this teaching right here, those who are, of, those who are from God, They'll listen to us. So inevitably, they want to go to some, like, you know, controversial, current event or whatever, you know. And, and so they'll ask the question. And if, and if there's, if there's a, maybe a couple of us in a conversation on a plane or a, a couple people sitting around a, a coffee shop, um, they'll ask the controversial question. And I always start it no matter what it is. I'm like, okay, I think first to, like, understand how how I would view something like that is to understand the way I view Jesus. And I'll just like throw biblical Jesus, boom, right on the table. And as I do that, and I, as I explain, like, okay, I believe Jesus, he, he, he came. He, he was not just a man, he was, he was God. He was fully God. And he took, on, he took on skin. He became a man, and he lived this sinless life that you and I can never live. And I'm just sharing the gospel, and I'm, and, and I'm, I'm talking to Jesus, and I just put it right there on the table. And as I do that, I'm looking around. I'm reading, like, the group there, and if there's one person, like, one guy over there, like, yeah, 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 like, I'm with you. I'm like, you're with me. We're on the same channel. 
And so then if I get backed into a corner later in the conversation, I'm like, bro, come on, come on, come on, come on. I need some help. We're together in this. But people who aren't on that channel, I mean, they're just like, what? No, like stiff arm. I say all this to say, I think John is giving us some things here. For the teaching, when you're quiet and someone else is talking, you're looking for their confession of Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Do they confess that? And oh, by the way, if they're not clear about where they stand with Jesus, they're clear about where they stand with Jesus. And then when you're talking and others are listening, you're looking for the people that are on the same channel as you. Will they, will they affirm your confession of Jesus Christ come in the flesh? It's a beginning tool that helps you understand the neighbors in your neighborhood who are, who are people of God. The coworkers in your workplace where you can go and are reliable, pure source of sharpening and right doctrine. And so, church, this is so vitally crucial. That this week, as we're scrolling social media timelines, listening to a podcast, watching a video, that we don't just mindlessly consume it. That we don't walk into Barnes & Noble and just see that because a book has Jesus in the title, it's got to be something solid. that we begin to grow that spiritual discernment muscle. What did what they just said, what did what they just wrote about Jesus, how does that conform to the biblical Jesus as God has revealed him to us in the Word? And is this author, is this podcast, is this video, is this blog something where I know I can go to for sound, reliable, spiritual truth? Now, I would just encourage every Christian in the room to think through the messages we're taking in, the spiritual input we're getting. Not so that we're just like grumpy, jaded, like skeptical of everything people, but so we're slow in discerning and knowing we're getting sound theology about Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus. Now, some of us in the room, you might be a baby Christian, you might not be a Christian at all. For the baby Christians... When you heard that list, what are we confessing when we confess Jesus Christ? Can I read it again? Eternally existing, second person of the Trinity, Trinity, born of a virgin, fully God, fully man, sinless life, atoning death on the cross, resurrected three days later, ascended to heaven, ruling and reigning now, and is coming again. If you're like, I didn't know that. There's parts of that I didn't know. Be, like, beautiful moment after first service. Someone made a beeline up here. Can you say those again? Can you say them again? And just like, they're like, I want to study that this week. This is why we're here. This is why you're in a Jesus community. Because if you're like, I didn't know that. I know I know Jesus. He's changed my life. I'm a new creation. But I want to know more about that. We want to help you with that. And how can we help you with that? Leave this room right now. Not right now, but when the service ends. Go to the next step series. Say, can I be part of a small group? Or tell them, is there any way you could help find someone who's 
like a little more spiritually mature, has been walking with Jesus longer, who could help me learn some of this. It's our job then to help connect you into a community like that. If you're like, where are places I should be studying? How do I know what, like, you know, desiringgod.org, John Piper, is he any good or not? How do I know that? He is, by the way. <laughs> we can help you with that. And we want to we wanna help you with that. So church, if you would just stand to your feet, I'm going to dismiss us today. I would um, encourage us, as you leave, test the spirits. Test the teaching you take in. It is not judgmental to be discerning. You with me? You discern the spiritual teaching you're listening to. to. Don't mindlessly consume the YouTube video on a spiritually sounding thing without pretty intentionally discerning what it's saying. Don't take the blog post for accurate just because they said some Jesus-y sounding things. Don't take a book recommendation as gospel without first applying the test of what do they confess of Jesus Christ. And if we as Christians in the information age, bombarded by all sorts of messages all the time, will learn how to test the spirits and discern and see do they confess the fullness of Jesus Christ come in the flesh, it'll lead to great blessings in our life. So church... um, Every week we tell you we love you. We do. And if there's any way that you're like, you know what, I don't feel that right now. I don't feel like my church loves me right now. Will you come tell us that so we can love you well? But we love you and we send you. And if you've not been to step one, we'll meet you over here in this room right now. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.